You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Um, real quick, um, you'll, you'll notice that some of the team are gone. Uh, Matt and Dave and some of the other members of this church are off in India right now serving. And, and we got a message, I actually got notified about it this morning, that they stopped what they were doing to pray for us today. So don't you feel it's right that we would stop and pray for them? Can you bow with me? God, we pause in this moment and realize we have our family in India, serving our family in India. God, we pray for the ministry there, that you would open up hearts to you, and that the barriers would be broken down of culture, and the things that get in the way, and, and even the, the things that have been taught and ingrained so deeply. But you can cut through that. Spirit, would you move in a mighty way so that when they come back and they tell us the stories, we'll remember that we prayed. And we begged you to get involved and to do your thing, just so that we can witness what you do. Thank you, Lord. We also pray for safety for them, safety in their travels. Bring them home safe. In your son's name. Everybody said? We're going through a book in the Bible called Colossians. And we're skipping a few verses. Pastor Dave wanted those for himself, apparently. So I'm doing a few verses past that. He'll get to those next week. Um, but I'm hitting Colossians chapter 3, and we've been in this series, and um, this is Paul writing, and it's exciting because he's talking about this new life in Christ and what it looks like, and we get to a part of the, the passage, the part of the Bible here in this book, and, and it transitions into getting very practical. It's kind of been theoretical in what happens in you and your individual life, and now it's going to start talking about what happens in the home. I don't know what your home was like when you first got married, but let me tell you about mine. Do you remember your home? My first house that we got when we first got married was in a place called Simi Valley, California, and it was a duplex. We rented a duplex. So all that means is it's one story, but it's kind of two houses attached together, and when I call them houses, let's call them tiny apartments, right? Okay, they're not, it's not a house, but for us, it was a house. Like, this is our house, and, and being, in church, or, uh, being newly married and working at a church, we didn't have money, right? I don't know if you remember that when you first got married, and and I had decided for whatever reason, because some of my bosses, they played golf. I was going to learn to play golf. And how I did that was I went around and, you know, would scrounge for um, golf balls. Uh, you know, if I would go play with my boss or whatever, he would pay. He'd say, Mike, let me treat you to golf. And I would go around in the bushes where I'm trying to find my ball because I was always in the bushes, right? I'm learning. And I would pick up extra and I would stick them in my bag. Uh, then I would go home and I would take them to the park. Now, this is not right. This is wrong. But I would hit them from this thing in the park and I would hit them up into like this baseball area. Now this is why it's wrong, because they mow the grass, right? And they don't have the ball picker up, they don't expect to see golf balls. Like that's not right for me to do. So someone said, Mike, you can't do that, that's not right. I said, okay, I'm gonna do that. So what did I do? I set up a thing in my one car garage, I put up a sheet and I hung it down and I had this little mat thing and I would whack the golf balls into the sheet. I know that's dumb too, I learned that the hard way because sometimes I miss the sheet. <laughs> That's not fun. One afternoon, I was walking in the backyard, and I look on the ground, and I see hundreds of baby little peaches that have fallen all over my grass. I don't have a peach tree, but in, in my backyard, there were a bunch of peaches that looked the size of what? Well, yeah. So, of course, I did like anyone trying to learn golf. I took a bucket, and I put it in the corner of the yard, and I went over to the other side where the peaches were, and, I get the, and I'm doing little chip shots trying to get them in the bucket. That was fun for a little bit. <laughs> then I realized, I remembered, oh, my next door neighbor, I mean, her mom was my sixth grade teacher. 
Her brother was the best man in my wedding. I mean, I know her. She's in heaven now. We love you, Mars. But I, I'm telling you, I knew her very well. And, and I could, from the backyard, realize, well, if I just put a little more into it, I can chip a few into her yard. That's no big deal. Well, I did that for a while. And then I realized, you know what really needs some help is my long irons. Anybody know to play golf? <laughs> hate the long irons. So I get my three iron, and I realize I can line up a little peach, and I can whack at it, and I can hit it into the fence. And so I drew a little target on the fence, you know, with a little thing. Whack, and I'm hitting that and going, you know what would be really great is if I could work on my seven iron. Because I think my seven iron would be, have just enough loft to just clear the fence, but get some distance to try to get, you know, to the very back of their yard. There's only one big problem with my golf game, and that's called a slice. If you don't know what that is, it means that as I'm lining up to hit it straight down the, the what I'm calling the fairway, which is my neighbor's yard, and I hit it, I mean, I tee up, and I whoop, and then it goes like this. And it slices. It goes away from me. And, of course, who's over there? Some neighbor, I have no idea. But I need to work on my golf game. This is important now, and now I'm into it. And of the, let's call it 400 or so little peaches, or 300, I don't know how many, I've hit 150, and I'm exhausted now. I go sit down on the couch, oh, pop open a soda. About five minutes later, I hear this. <laughs> Knock at the door. Some of you are already anticipating what's happening. But you're not, because it's much worse than you think. It's much, much worse than you think. I open the door 87-year-old Dottie the grandma. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm Mike. I don't think we met. Says, oh, I'm Dottie. I, I live behind you a couple houses down. I know what's coming. You do too. Um, um, I, I just have a question. She's so sweet. Um, is, is, is someone slinging peaches from your backyard? Direct quote, someone's slinging peaches. And I look right at her and I say, peaches? Well, that's what you, peaches? Well, peaches? He says, well, yeah, they're just, they're peaches. Uh, I have peaches all over my backyard. I look her dead in the eye and I say, Dottie, I do too. They're everywhere. I don't even have a peach tree in my yard and I got peaches everywhere. And she looks right at me confused as I'm lying to her, straight to her face. And she says, Oh, you do? I say, yeah, they're everywhere. You don't have a peach tree? Nope. So what you're thinking is, oh, we're talking about lying this morning. No, because technically I didn't lie. Let me be clear. I said, what are peaches? I have peaches all over my yard. That's number two. That's not a lie. Number three, I don't even have a peach tree. We're not talking about lying. What we're talking about today is marriage. Because as I close, as I close the door... I have this grin like I totally just got away with it. Pastor Mike in the clear. I look over and who's sitting right there who heard the whole thing? I'm Melinda. <laughs> My sweet wife just looks at me and she's just doing this. Oh. What did you do? We're talking about marriage today. We're talking about marriage. And... Here's the difficult thing. There's only two main reactions that I get when I bring up the topic of marriage. First, I get this reaction. And if this has already happened to you, I'm, I'm sorry, but this is one of the reactions. 
Some of you in here today are like, oh, good, we're talking about marriage. Maybe you can fix my spouse, right? <laughs> if you just got elbowed today to, hey, wake up, pay attention, we're talking about marriage. Uh, I'm with you, okay. The second reaction is this. I hate talking about marriage. My marriage is falling apart. We fight all the time. You know, my spouse just died or my spouse is very sick. And when I hear that we're talking about marriage, I just want to walk right out. I'm single and I hate being reminded of it. I'm in high school and marriage is so far off. This is a total waste of my time. I don't even want to think about it. My parents are getting a divorce and I don't want to think about happy families. I mean, it's such a weird thing because the dream of marriage is so hopeful. Like, we all want it. We want it to be great. And you think about it. And you remember when you first got married and those feelings. It's just this beautiful, hopeful thing. But when you start thinking about it, it can get so painful. In fact, sometimes you ever been listening to the radio and you hear a song, you know, love is all we need. And you just go, ooh, and you get a little, little vomit. Just a little bit comes up. Because like, I don't want to talk about love. But what if... What if we could focus this morning on like that, that ideal, the perfect marriage, and kind of how it's supposed to be, that the person that designed it, we can actually get a glimpse of how it's supposed to be, how it's supposed to function. In fact, I think that the major reason why these verses are in Colossians is to give us a lofty view of a transformed home life. If you're in high school or single, I think this, this can help you be very discerning on who you pick. Because if you have the wrong view of how it's supposed to look, you might settle for something a lot less that's going to make it a lot more difficult. Maybe he wants to build your future marriage the right way. If your spouse recently passed or is sick, maybe you're reminded of your intimate relationship with Christ as he used an analogy that we are his bride. That he loves you wants to be with you. If you're fighting, maybe you can leave here today with a renewed hope, a new idea of how it's supposed to look. Because God, I believe, is in the redemption business. That's what he does. He takes things that are broken and he redeems them. He, he changes them from what was broken into something that's beautiful. If you're single today, maybe he wants you to remain single, huh, like Jesus. If anybody ever puts you down for being single, go, oh, oh sorry, I'm trying to be like my savior. You know, whatever. Sometimes married people, we think that, oh, you have to be married. That's crazy. Some of the most powerful, influential people in this, on this planet that have walked have been women who have been single and lived their lives sold out for Christ. Right? Let's pray. God, I don't know how to jump into this topic when there's such mixed emotions and pain and... Um, God, can you please have your word be what is spoken here? And that when anyone walks out, that, that they will get what you want. Spirit, can you move in these people? Move in me, please. God, can I pray for the hurting? Can you just hear my prayer today that people walked into church looking for hope, looking to find you? I pray, Lord, that they find you today. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. Colossians 3, 18 to 19. We have it up on the screens. If you don't have it, you can pull out your notes, and we're going to be going through that. It says this. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Let's start with the first part. Wives, submit. I mean, if we're honest, wives, submit. 
It's because women are just a little less than men. What? Come on. Women are just a little less than men. Wait a minute. That is a lie. Someone say lie. Man, the lady said it a lot louder than the guys. I just want to say, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that's how it, I heard it. Men believe this lie and have used it to push women down, abuse them, and cause pain. Old Testament men have used this, quote, power to have multiple wives and even murder husbands. Women are objects when you believe this lie, something to be owned, subdued, and our culture whistled and gawked at. And it comes from people misunderstanding and misinterpreting a passage in Genesis. Um, and I think this is a core issue. If you look at Genesis 2.18, it says this, Then God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Oh, how cute. I'll make him a little helper, my own personal assistant. And, and this is what it looks like today in our culture. Hey, woman, wife, give me a beer. Hey, woman, clean my house. It might not be said, but that's the expectation. Wife, where's my dinner? Okay, now I like that one because my wife can cook. <laughs> but the expectation of it. If you believe this lie, that women are just a little less than men, not only destroys families, destroys cultures, and it is absolutely wrong. Track with me here. Genesis 2 the, the word for helper, okay, the, the idea in our minds we think personal assistant, but that is not at all what this means. In fact, so ladies are really going to pay attention to this, Exodus 18.4, Deuteronomy 33.7, and a myriad of other passages use this same exact Hebrew word to say God is a helper to mankind. Okay, we have God, huge God, is the same word helper to mankind. Who needs the help? Mankind. Who's the helper? Perfect almighty God. So if you use that same word back in Genesis 2.18, who's the one that needs the help? Right? And you see how just one little thought, where well, you take culture, instead of doing what the Bible says, and you put your culture on it, gets all twisted. And we have a father of lies who does that. He just takes these little subtle things and he twists them. If he were here, this is what he'd be saying. He'd say something like this. If I can get men to believe the lie that women are a little less, then women will have to constantly fight to not get run over. This is how it is in our culture. And in the workplace, women, you got to fight for what? Equal pay. Fight! You're equal. Come on, who are we kidding? In politics, you have to fight for your right to vote. Fight! Why? You're equal. But in this passage, in the home, we know that you are equal, but submission is the command. Let me prove again that you are equal in the home, according to the Bible. Galatians 3.28. Pastor Dave taught this last week. If you weren't here, go listen to the message. It was fantastic. And in there, he made one point, and he was talking about this verse in Galatians where it says, there is no male or female. There is no gender biased under God. None. Ephesians 5.21. Ephesians 5 is kind of the partner passage to Colossians 3 here. And Ephesians 5, before it gets to 22, uh, Ephesians 5.22 that says wives submit, it says right before that, submit to one another. 
But our father of lies wants to twist this. So track with me as I make a subtle change. If I can get husbands, this is the enemy talking. If I cannot just get men, but if I can get husbands to believe the lie that women are a little less, then the wives have to constantly fight to not get run over. And now home is a battleground. Here's the truth. Submission in the home is beautiful and commanded. Now, I wish my wife was up here teaching because I'm sorry that I can't help you with this. Ladies, you need to go and, and hang out with my woman. You need to go talk to, you know, go on Ruby Tuesdays, talk to Heather. I mean, talk to Sarah. Talk to, uh, you know, go to a Beth Moore study. That lady's a ridiculous teacher. I mean, oh my gosh, I love her. And, and you're going to have to get that because I'm not going to be able to give that to you. But I can give to you that it's beautiful and that it's a command. In Colossians 3 right here, it says that it is fitting. Somehow submission is fitting. The idea is that it, it feels good. And when it's done right, it's beautiful. It's fitting. It's perfect. It's how it's supposed to be. One author made the analogy that it is similar to the Trinity. You say, what? Well, the Trinity, right? You have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That They're all three equal, and yet they're all one. And yet... Somehow Jesus would submit to the will of the Father and come down and take the form of a baby and then become even, not just submissive, but then obedient. Don't, I can tell you, submission is not obedience. Your husband says, get you a beer. You're like, ha, it's right there. And then you can walk away. Okay, you don't have to obey. But, but Jesus and his example did. I mean, he took it to a, he obeyed. And then he became obedient to death, humiliation. Other authors have used the order of creation as an example and a good thing to look at, that it was the men first and then the lady. Uh, when, I, when, I, when I thought of that and as I was reading that, I thought of this verse, why does it start with wives? Isn't that interesting? I mean, people make a big deal about the order of creation, but yet here, he starts with wives. And in fact, every time you see this, it's wives submit first. What if it's because it's really about men? So ladies, listen up. I can tell you about us broken men. Men crave respect. When was the last time you bought a car? Recently? Last six months. I feel your pain, <laughs> right? Okay, we can bond. If you bought a car, it is just not fun. And we're looking for a used car. Let me tell you what happened after weeks and weeks. Our car had broken. We're figuring out whether we should get it fixed or we should la la la. We went, we prayed about it. I mean, literally, like, God, should we get this car? Or, okay, help us, because we don't know. Should we do this one or this one? And we got wisdom. Should we just fix it? After we finally decide, we've signed the paperwork. Um, we're at Elk Grove Ford, and I, I run into the owner's office, because he had helped us along the way a little bit, and I said, hey, we just bought a car from you. Where I'm all excited, I'm beaming, I'm like, yeah, this is great, I'm going to go in there, and he's going to say, thank you for supporting my family. Anyway, but I don't know what was in my head, but I just wanted to go in and shake his hand and thank him. And he looks right at me, and he says, well, which one did you get? And I said, the silver one. And he says, so she won. <laughs> right? Every guy in here just went like this. Oh, dude, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry he said that, right? Because, wait a minute, no, 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 what do you mean she won? He's implying that my wife won, and I'm thinking, what? So what do I? Just get bigger. What did you? 
in me, I'm saying I know I messed up, but in me, I'm thinking, I want respect. What do you mean? I led my family well. And I know he wasn't implying any of that. I mean, the guy's great. You go over there and meet him. He's a great, great guy. Everybody's low pressure over there, which I really appreciate. Um, but there's something in me. So check this. What if a wife's submission built into a husband's desire that the person who knows the worst still thinks he deserves respect? Remember the slinging peaches? That's not the worst thing my wife knows about me. And yet she's still willing to give me respect. What if this passage is in that order because it is kind of about men? And that the person that knows the worst about us can still respect us. All right, guys, how about you? Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Where are my single guys? You know, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I, some of you right when I say where are the single guys, you want to stand up because you're like, hey, single ladies. <laughs> okay, no, don't stand up. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but single guys, if you're in here, let me help you real quick that you can actually have a fight about toilet paper. First slide. You might not know this. This is the wrong way to put toilet paper on. Now, look, I've been married over 23 years going on 24. This is wrong. It's wrong. Someone say wrong, right? What's the right way? Okay, that's the right way. And what is this? That is war, baby. That is war. What? You can't even undo the thing and throw it away and put the new one? Oh, man, that's war. Guys, I just hooked you up. I just saved you agony. And war is the goal of our enemy. Someone say amen. A husband's ruling authority is a right guaranteed by the Bible. A husband's ruling authority. Wait, what? No, that's a total lie. This is a total lie. Twisting. A little bit off, like Pastor Dave said, just a few degrees off. This is a flat-out lie. If I can get husbands to believe the enemy talking, if I can get husbands to believe the lie that they are guaranteed to rule the castle, then husbands get to constantly lord it over their wives. The home becomes a battleground. See how these two work together? Instead, the truth is, guys, you're commanded to love. See, love in the home is a responsibility commanded by the Bible. Instead of being the Lord of the manor, be the love in the manor. This specific word love can be translated to take pleasure in. Ladies, listen to this. Guys, think about this expectation. Take pleasure in your wife. Long for your wife. Esteem your wife. Isn't it interesting that respect is on both sides? Anybody catch that? Esteem. 
Guys, you're, gonna, you're not getting off real easy today. Because Ephesians 5.25, the partner passage, when it talks about husbands love your wives, listen to what it says about how you're supposed to love. Love your wife just as Christ loved the church. And we hear that and we go, okay, he died for her. I would do that. Wouldn't you do that? You'd die for your wife. Someone's going to come in and rob the house. You're going to say, no, hey, you're going to get in the way. You're going to go fight, right? No, no question. Someone says, put a gun to your head, says, your wife or you? Say, me. But listen to what it says next. It says, and he gave his life for her. And so you think we think of just that death, but the point is he gave his life for her. Not just his death. He gave his life. That means he left heaven to come down to humanity. And listen, if, if, you're, if you're alone, you're hurting, listen carefully. He left, he left heaven to come down and take the form of a baby in, in humility. And guys, this is how you're supposed to love your wife, in humility. You'll do anything. And then not just that, for the church, what did he do? He spent years of his life training up disciples so that when he was gone, they could carry the message and build this today. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave up his life for this. His entire life, not just his death, were given in sacrifice for his bride. Guys, is your life more about you or your wife? Your career? Your family? Did you support her so she could go to medical school because that's what she should have done? Or what she should do? Did you work hard so she could stay home with the kids because she just wanted six months? Have you helped her maximize her gifts, talents, and abilities to be all that she can be in the church? Are you the one that's equipped her and empowered her? Told her how great she is? Guys, we're just terrible about this stuff, right? And let me, let me tell you, ladies, real quick. We're just kind of dumb and simple, right? Let me prove it. <clears throat> My wife, you're like, you've already done it. You talked. Okay, I know, I know. But let me give you an example of how I've done it. And, and even as I say that, I'm reminded, I told Mindy, yeah, I'm going to tell this story. She's all, go for it. If you need more, I got a lot. <laughs> so she literally said that to me. I'm like, I'm good with one. <laughs> so this is the one I chose. <laughs> so uh, my wife is, is an amazing woman, and um, she's blessed us with four kids. God's blessed us through her. And um, After having triplets, right, woo, imagine this, four and a half months of bed rest to get the triplets here. Like, that's a woman. And then, weeks and weeks of NICU visits. As the hospital that was kind of close, we had an emergency and we got taken to UCLA and weeks and weeks. And then over a year of, you know, being at home with the kids, can't really bolt and leave, you know, hey, I got a 16-year-old babysitter, we're gone, take care of the triplets, would you? <laughs> By the way, they might die. Anyway, you know, it was a tough thing. First year, little tiny babies... So, it's about a year after, and I say, hey, sweetheart, I'm taking you on a date. I'm going to take care of you. I love you so much. We're going to a movie. I know we haven't done it in a long time. We probably don't have time for dinner and a movie. Let's just go see a movie. So, I pick out the movie. I say, Denzel Washington, because I know you think he's great. I say, perfect, we go. So, we go to the movie, and I don't know how far into it, I quickly realize that I have made a terrible mistake. The premise of the movie is about... These terrible people who kidnap children. No joke. I, no joke. This is me standing here in front of you telling you about marriage. This guy right here. 
<laughs> After, what, a year and a half, I take her to a movie. And it's not just about kidnapping. It's about torture and, like, trying to hunt down the person that took their kid. You know, I elbow her halfway through and say, do you think our kids are safe? And that was not a good thing to say. Uh, you know, <laughs> reminding her that her kids are at home. I'm just terrible. And I just think we don't think about it sometimes. We just don't think about it. But we're commanded to think about it. When our wives don't feel loved, appreciated, and esteemed, it's difficult for them to be submissive. We make it so difficult for them to be submissive. Why does it say in this passage to not be harsh? As soon as they say that word, every guy in here quickly goes back to the last fight and goes, oh, guy, harsh. Don't raise your hands, but as soon as I say that, don't be harsh with them. Isn't it just kind of a blow? It's almost as if God's saying, look, you want them to be submissive. I want this thing to be perfect, and I want you to love them, and yet you're harsh with them? We have a short fuse. We hold bitterness for days. And instead of pursuing, we withdraw to the office, to the TV, to the gym. Listen to what God says this love thing is, guys. Pay attention. Love is patient and kind. You've heard this a hundred times, or you need to hear it again. You're commanded to be patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. No record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful. Endures through every circumstance. Endures through every circumstance. Another reason why we make it so difficult on them is because if we're honest, we're not very respectable. Didn't you feel beat up last week when Pastor Dave was going through the list? And sometimes I read those verses in the Bible which talks about the things God hates. And I just think I'm just not very respectable. No wonder she doesn't want to submit to me. You, know, you heard the saying that men are pigs. You think about the slinging peaches story. You think about the worst things that we've done that our wives know. Or maybe the things that they don't know. And our wives look at us, know the worst parts. And we respond harshly to them. The truth is, men are not pigs. Men are forgiven. You're not a pig. You're forgiven. You're forgiven by your Lord. And because your wife has been forgiven by the Lord, she knows how she can forgive you. And she does. It's beautiful. This is how it's supposed to work. This is the design. You should be blown away. Guys, you should be blown away that the woman who knows the worst of you still respects you. She does. Even when you're not respectable. As I thought through this passage and I, I thought about a way to summarize it, I think I um, was very glad that it's Communion Sunday. <laughs> Amen? Right? I mean, you can't talk about this subject of marriage without 
reading a passage like this and realizing that the expectation, I mean, the, the beauty that God designed is so amazing. I mean, it's supposed to be this picture. I mean, even kind of a picture like the Trinity. Like, it's supposed to be this amazing thing of two people coming together and forming this new thing called family. Man, I'm glad it's Communion Sunday. Wives, be in submission to your own husband. It is fitting. Don't fight it. It's fitting. I don't know what it looks like, but I know people who do. Husbands, love your wives. Give yourself up for her. Don't be harsh. As we wrap this up, there's one last statement there on your notes. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe the lies. You got to trust God's word. You've been probably trying to do marriage your way. How about try it God's way? Like we, we go to counselors, we want to read books, and we want to do all these things. Look, just try this. It's two verses with like one thing to do and one thing not to do. Just try it this way. Just do what it says. I think you'll be surprised. I think that you will be blown away. Just a minute, we're going to come up and do communion together. And as we do, um, some of you are, can't even hear what I'm talking about when it comes to marriage or the Bible. You walked in, your life is a mess. And you came in looking for God. And I pray that somehow you found him in spite of me. In spite of a worship team or people standing here, distractions. Because I believe that, that God is here. And I believe that he moves and that in you he stirs. And if he's stirring in you today, and you get the idea that, wait a minute, God somehow loves me and forgives me, and that he somehow wants to be close to me? I mean, if that's you, God, I'm just so glad that you came to church. You came to the right place. I love my church. Here's bow our heads real quick. God, we all sit here in this room looking, looking for answers to life, looking for guidance and wisdom and and we need you. God, I pray for those people in here who are struggling and hurting. I pray for the marriages in here that are at war, who, like me, had a tough week, or like uh, everyone in here who looks at marriage and goes, man, it's just not easy. And God, can you somehow have those people walk out of here with a renewed hope that you are walking with them? God, we love you. We thank you for your word as it directs us. In your son's name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.